Hello and welcome back to the Varsity Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Rich. In case you're new here, the Varsity Cinema Podcast is a show dedicated to the upcoming screenings at the Des Moines, Iowa-based cinema that specializes in not only new films, but rep screenings of films rife for rediscovery as well. Lots of great stuff has happened since our last episode. Barbie broke a billion at the box office, which is insane and amazing, and I'm glad it's uh, still doing so darn well and continues alongside Oppenheimer to dominate theaters all across the globe. Be sure to come into the Varsity to catch either of these films if you have yet to you know, see any of these behemoths. I do believe that they are worthy of seeing on the big screen. Here's a little something I did last month and thought it was fun to just mention something I've been watching, uh, not in theaters, but more kind of on the discovery tip. And I'll keep this rolling until further notice, um, but this is just kind of a fun thing that I enjoy to, uh, you know, enjoy talking about. Surprise, surprise. Kind of gives you a little insight to who I am as your host and, and my tastes and just kind of a fun little sidebar thing. But I've got another another discovery uh, recommendation, if you will, for you guys all to watch if, you, if you're interested. And that is a heavy hitter from Oliver Stone from 1986 called Salvador. And this is one that I would say is not for the faint of heart, uh, but it is indeed based on a true story about an American journalist that's covering the Salvadoran Civil War in the 1980s. And he's kind of caught between the right-wing dictatorship that's dominating El Salvador and then also kind of caught with the leftist guerrilla groups that are trying to free the country from the oppression so it's, it's kind of a visceral, haunting experience, really intense uh, depictions of war, and I was glad to finally check this one out. It's been on my list for, gosh, coming up on 20 years or so, so I'm glad that I uh, finally had the opportunity to check it out. But it's out there on all the streamers if anyone's interested. Uh, Canopy is probably the way to go if you're a member of your local library. Canopy with a K. It's a very great service. Anyway, on with the show. We've got a really fun episode for you today with a great conversation involving one of the participants of the 48-hour film project, Pat Boberg and Brian Hogan of Tiny Explosions. The initial Iowa-based 48-hour film project screenings occurred last week at the Varsity, and there will be a Best of City screening on Thursday, August 24th. And our guests, Brian and Pat, and their short Essential Essence actually won the Audience Award for their group. Here's that interview. Hello again from the Varsity Cinema Podcast. I'm joined by two special guests who just had a screening of their new short Essential Essence at the Varsity as part of the 48-Hour Film Project. Please welcome my old friend Pat Boberg and Brian Hogan of the production company Tiny Explosions. Hello. Hello, sir. I always have a good, an internal laugh when people call it a company. Well, uh, it's like, I was like, man, that would mean that we took this professional and we pay taxes <laughs> and I don't know. We get to make insane films for, for, for money. A cooperative. Or, yes. There I we like go. That. Okay. Or co-op. Production. You can get seeds from us. But, yeah. <laughs> production cooperative. So I guess a little background that I was kind of doing a little research on the 48-hour film project. And it looks like it started a little over 20 years ago in D.C., and it kind of became a big countrywide creative endeavor, kind of where filmmaking teams draw their shooting and you know draw their shooting instructions out of a hat. Kind of include genre, right, and then what required elements need to be uh, that need to be in the film. And so the catch is obviously to write, shoot, edit, you know, score all of that stuff, an entire short in forty eight hours, and then submit it. Uh, for viewing at the festival. So like, I guess it could go longer than a short, right? I mean, but it's just kind of as much as you can get done in that 48 hours. Is that kind of the idea? 
Yeah, the the guidelines are it has to be between four minutes long and seven minutes, and they give you an extra minute for credits. So four to eight, 48. And there are other smaller rules that aren't like you have to include the elements of the, the dialogue or every team has to include a prop, a line of dialogue and character. But there's also things like you're not supposed to include copyright logos or you're not supposed to parody anything. Um, and what am I forgetting anything? I mean, no, oh, no nudity. I think that's in the rules for like the very first time. I mean, I have to comb the rules every year, but they asked us to read the rules specifically this year. And I noticed that they said there's no nudity and there's like a, like a, an offensive clause that Sam, the producer, Sam Pastwami can, you know, use his better judgment if he doesn't want to screen a certain film. But that's new, right? The nudity? I believe so. Cause we joked for years about, you know, one of our, one of the people on our crew who said he would do nudity. So we never had a good idea. And I think pulling the trigger on that type of thing is. It would be hard. I mean, I that would be our film name with nudity, pulling the trigger. <laughs> and starring Jordan, I have to. Yes. Assume. yes. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, he was the one that wanted to do full frontal. Nudity. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> um, that does not surprise me. Um, and so, Pat, specifically, I've known you for a really long time, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to just like I've kind of mentioned on the podcast previously you know we played in, i played in bands and we played in bands together um and brian yeah. you've done bands like horseshoe spatulas handlebar yep. you might be better known now as uh, one of the co-hosts of the fright zone podcast but also the video bunker yeah on kim uh, you guys were you were featured on kimmel which is pretty crazy so so i do know that you're both into film and pat you've been shooting stuff on like digital for a really long time i mean as mm-hmm. long as i've known you yeah and so what was kind of the impetus to kind of make the jump from doing music stuff a lot and then getting involved with this project in particular, with 48-hour film project? Well, to be very specific, um, there was a night in January, a Sunday night, January 2012, where I texted Brian because I was playing with a DSLR, my, like my very own for the first time. I was like, hey, do you want to go shoot a short film? And he pretty much texted right back right away, sure, I've, I've got some puppets which might come back later while we're talking, but we got together and we just started filming. Not even, there's no dialogue. We are just showing characters, moving their mouths and walking along. And I don't know, Brian, do you remember this? But you were like, uh, you're, uh, you're something to the effect of, he's like, Pat, I'm 30. I don't know if I should be doing this. <laughs> and I was like, you are the only person I texted because I knew you would do this. And so, you know, I mean, there's other reasons. Like we, I wanted to do 48 for a long time and, I've been making short films and silly things for uh, since junior high school in the mid nineties. So there's, there's like backstory to that, but tiny explosion specifically started then. And we did that 48 and I think we were hooked. It's, it's one of our favorite things of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very clearly a, um, a labor of love, but also you guys are uh, definitely clearly having a blast. So, you know, I, I watched um, essential essence before you guys screened it. Uh, and then I also kind of just to, check out the other stuff, uh, watch Murder Farm and create your own fun, uh, mm-hmm. which very clever, uh, super fun, little short. Uh, but there's very clearly the playful element because you guys are both, you know, a couple of goofballs, um, <laughs> which I love. And I think that's a really charming and um, universal quality that kind of endears us to what's going on uh, on the screen. So I assume that's kind of a conscious to- choice to kind of skew towards a playful or are you or is that just kind of by happenstance that it comes about or comes across that way? I mean, I think inherently, like you said, we're both kind of those people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as far as the 48 goes, and I think Pat's said it several times, like it's way more easier to 
make somebody laugh in four to eight minutes than it is to get them to feel some kind of like a really deep emotion if you were doing like a drama. That's not saying it can't be done. Obviously, there are people that do it, but I think for us, it's like way easier. It's it's more fun making a comedy too. You yeah. know, like I, we both like plenty of serious films, but uh, when it comes to that weekend, I think with the people that we recruit, like our team is uh, amateur actors, you know, amateur writers. I mean, I work in television. One other person who's been doing it with us, John Hoffman, who uh, you know personally as well, just yeah, the circle sure of do. Iowa, yeah. small, t- biggest small town in the world, I guess, is Des Moines. But um, it's it's just so much more fun. You know, I think you start getting like into issues with what's when you do something serious about if you're treating the topic right and if your character is actually conveying what you need. And I don't know, when I've tried to do serious things with other people before, it starts to get like ego-y. Whereas when you're having basically a, a fun, a funny time. I mean, you you may not end up any, winning any awards because comedy does not win awards generally. I mean, there's an asterisk, especially with us, but uh, it's it's a lot more fun. It's just everybody's in when you start joking. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a nice like energy uh, and just way more enjoyable to watch, especially in a short for, for my money as well. I, I agree. It is harder to do the dramatic stuff and kind of really make you feel something and be super invested. But it's yeah, it's it's easy to just I don't know, crack a smile and laugh. So would you guys kind of be able to sort of summarize I guess the process of making whether essential essence or just any short, just to kind of give people context of how specifically the 48 hour film project works. Like it just seems like it's such a, an intense process, but I'm just kind of curious how that kind of works from beginning to end. Yeah. So, uh, 48 hours is set up where on a Friday, on Friday night, you get 48 hours starting at the moment, the kickoff ends. And at the kickoff, they give every team the, the line of dialogue they all have to use, the prop they have to use, the character you have to use, and you pick a genre out of a hat. And then you go home and you start working on a film and every team handles it differently. I know some people have like one writer or th- or a couple of writers. Um, we do it kind of stupidly where we have basically a party and uh, we just let everybody spill their guts onto a big whiteboard or we hook up the computer to the you know flat screen TV and we just add every idea that people can come up with. And I, and I pretty much say absolutely no negativity. You can't bag on anyone's idea until we start whittling it down. And then for us, we start whittling it down. We come up with what's got a story in it. What's one joke. And there are still ideas that our team will, uh, even last night, (laughs) people were messaging me about one specific film that we didn't make. Um, So, you know, there's ideas that get left on the vine that might be even funnier, but I always look for something that has a story that can contain for seven minutes and not something that is just people sitting around a table, which we've done before and we could have done better or not just like one gag. Yeah. You know? Cause yeah. it's like hard to stretch that out for a long period of time. And then we start picking out who's going to be at the characters and Saturday we, we go film it. And generally this is one reason why Brian's so awesome is um, we come up with things and we're like, we need this prop. And Brian's like, I got it. Or, you know, we need uh, what, like the the first time we ever placed in 48, we made a film and all the characters are from some church and Brian had choir robes, you know, so <laughs> the cast is in like 100 degree weather outside the whole day in choir robes and Brian had them. And, uh, you know, and we've kind of 
I don't know, maybe I've enabled you, would you say? Well, it's weird because I still have the choir robes, even though we no longer need them. <laughs> but like now, like in my mind, I'm just like, what if we need them, though? <laughs> so I can't get rid of them. If we do the sequel and then they're, they're all like, if you watch that movie, it's called All Maddie Hall. And we got second place for it that year. And um, people end up in the river. Did you at least clean them? I think I hosed them off okay. like in the backyard. Okay. Yes. But yeah, so you, we shoot all Saturday or a chunk of Saturday. Some people will start shooting on Friday night, which we've done maybe twice. And then Saturday is pretty much nose to the grindstone editing it. And every year you kind of pick up something that, you know, you could do a little better. Your sound design could be better. Sound effects could be better. Maybe there's a gag. Last year, we won 48 in 2022, the Des Moines version, with a film called The Run. And we, Brian and I were messaging at like midnight on Saturday talking about the ending. And uh, we just didn't think it worked. So when the morning we got together and we reshot the entire end, and I think it makes the film. And we added some things this year, basically the same idea, which I think this is something to adopt every year. Where it's like, take stock of what you have. And if you have the time, go change the ending at the very least, because that's the thing that really is the punch. Because the thing about short films versus narrative films is you can breathe in a narrative film, but in a short film, you kind of got to carry every second. Mm-hmm. And it, it really counts, especially at the very end. If you don't leave it with a memorable moment, it uh, it's it kind of falls flat and people forget it. Yeah. yeah. So like this year, we kind of followed the same lead with last year where we added things in, but also the way the film ends, the characters have like, it's a big laugh right before the credits. I think it's nice too. Like that's, you know, where like Pat comes in is like his ability to edit very quickly. I think also allows us to kind of look at the skeleton and say like, okay, do we need something or like, you know, are we completely happy with like everything that we have right now? You know? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I guess, would you consider yourself, Pat, more of like the director in a sense, or is it more of a collaborative on that particular front? I, I guess editing is much different than directing, but I mean, it seems like you might have a clear vision if you're able to edit it down pretty quickly. Well, if you're making a feature film, I'll, I'll say yes, don't step aside the question, but if you're making a feature film, when you're working in pre-production, you, you know, do storyboards and pre-visualizations and, you know, you test your props out. Um, we don't do storyboards and we really don't, we, we haven't done like a full fledged, here's the script, say these lines in several years. So if your team does that, you need somebody who has got the visual flow in their head, as well as some of the information like Brian's wife, Aaron, when we were doing the run and elf off the shelf, she really was like kind of the person who's like the script supervisor in a way. And did that somewhat this year, too, where it's like, uh, what's next? What's next? Because, you know, I can keep a visual idea of where we're going and how the shot's going to fit in later if we're not filming it, you know, chronologically. But somebody it's it's not it's not a dictatorship. You know, it's not Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins. Right, right. You know, Billy Corgan, (laughs) you know, so it's everyone's got to hold their weight and come up with ideas. And I, I think we've gotten better at that, too, of being like, what's your idea? Well, let's do it. Let's just film it. And then if it doesn't work you know, whatever, you know, so the fact that I think we've also known each other, I I would say almost everybody on our team has probably known each other for 20 plus years really gives us the ability to riff off of one another. Yeah. We pepper in new people, but like core people, we've known each other since seventh grade, eighth grade. And like Jill, who's been in our team since 2018, I've known her since kindergarten. Uh, Andrew Pratt's been our team, kindergarten, Mm -hmm. Joe, she, we've known her since middle school. So if I, 
that's even farther than 20 years. Erin, obviously you've known her for 20 years. Yeah. She used to go to shows that, uh, that we used to play at. I remember so, meeting Erin forever ago. Yeah, yeah I was in so, high school. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's worked out in the best way. I mean, you got to knock on wood because um, I don't really like when people say it like a job, like at your office where they're like, we're family. Because it's like you make kind of excuses for your family, you know, where I think we've gotten good at the idea with coming up with ideas where – we don't rad on each other until it's time to be like, this idea just is one, one note or there, you know, there's, well, how does it end? We don't have an ending. We can't make it. And it's, it's a good mix of getting real, but also knowing where, where people can carry the weight, you know, and maybe where we can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And are you guys, are you guys doing shorts like outside of 48 or is it just kind of specifically for the project when you guys, you know, come up with ideas to shoot we have we have yeah a lot of the other teams that are in 48 i won't say a lot but a few of like the the old guard or like the really you know top tier teams they they do but um i i I personally i have two little kids so now is even harder than ever to do that but we've started doing like there's a horror 48 in des moines and if you're lucky you can do the international competition that's for the top three teams so We've done a hundred hour film race. So if there's an excuse to do it on a weekend, sure. But I don't know. I mean, we, we have hopes to, to do like a feature film next year, which is an even bigger commitment, but I'm trying to think of when the last one that we did outside of the 48 was, it was a hundred hour film racing, but that's like a version of whole 48. Right. But outside just for fun. I mean, it might be create your own fun with your daughters in your backyard or the one where I had to go number two behind the dumpster. <laughs> that was that was before 48 yes okay. yes but i just know you wanted to sneak that into the podcast that's one called desperate times so anyone wants to watch that but yes but yeah we have and yeah we have and we, we would love to do more but i, I don't know you're you're asking a lot of people's time especially because most short films are volunteer like you know there's not uh hey on the back end you can get some points and maybe earn money it's, that's not gonna happen <laughs> unless you have like a genius 40 a uh, genius short film and end up making a feature and like the guy who did Shazam and lights out. I think he lights mm. out was a movie. that was a short film before that. Yeah. Like the Shaquille O'Neal movie. No lights out the horror film from like 2016. Okay. But yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a terrifying short, by the way, that's uh for like, it's like a two minute short and it's absolutely oh, horrifying. It's so simple too. You know, it is. It's you so know? good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those ones you pound the table, you know, you're like, Oh man, maybe eight minutes is wrong. Maybe it should be like the, the 10 hour competition. Whatever. Well, um, you had mentioned you guys won last year for the run, right? So, I mean, how did Essential Essence go over with the crowd this time? Because uh, I guess you guys would be uh, two-time winners now, like two in a row, right? Well, did you guys win? Or there's a slight difference I think is some people don't realize. Like last year, we won the Best of City Award, which Ah, is okay. Okay. There's a there's a Best of City like collection, the second round of screenings, which happens at the Varsity on the 24th buy your tickets now um and this year we've won our screening groups audience award okay so that okay means, gotcha you know, people in the audience voted for us to win which the run did not win the audience award last year for the group it was in no but i mean it, i i don't know what had bigger laughs last year's film or this year there's one in particular laugh in this film that uh involves brian and his wife that probably <laughs> was the biggest laugh we ever got but there was, there's still a good amount of laughing. Yeah. There was a lot of, Ooh, last year. 
and once you watch the run, you'll probably understand why. But. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out afterwards. Okay, lot, this is kind of with the with essential essence, which we'll spoil here in a bit, I assume. But um, a lot of our films kind of hinge on like, wait till this happens. <laughs> you know, it's uh, in the run. Um, there's kind of a pun involved with the title eventually, and um, there we did a movie with bowling balls that you know you don't expect to, what happens in that to happen. We've done what are some other ones? Um. I mean, our first one, Trigger Words, is kind of the same, you know. Yeah, Fam- yeah, family invol- uh, invites a brother over for that for the holiday week. Yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. nice, nice. Yeah, you did mention. Yeah, I was gonna. We're gonna talk about maybe some spoilery bits, <laughs> and so I do have to ask about the puppets. There it is, because because they're because they're once the turn happens, it's so good and i did not see it coming and it was so it was so funny to me between the cuts from reality and the perceived reality where did these puppets come from i you said hogan had the puppets or did you make the puppets they look so legit and good so everybody made their own puppets amazing um there's a there's a course um, like I don't know if you're familiar with Stan Winston, but mm-hmm, Stan mm-hmm. Winston, obviously like a uh, huge special effects guru legend um, and they have like online courses. And I was like already taking like a couple um, that weren't puppet related. And I just happened to be like scrolling one evening and I came across uh, this guy, BJ Geyer, who um, is involved with like crank gankers and uh, you know, like the the henson muppets and stuff mm-hmm. um and i was like oh man there's like a three-part course so like i like watched the entire thing and as soon as i watched it like i messaged pat and i was like this seems fairly easy i think we could do this um yeah so like last year after the run we did horror 48 then we did yes we can which is the title of the international one for the teams that are in the top three of their city and i think we just got the bug and we were messaging about ideas and future props and we were around Christmas, you know, this, we were texting about this and it's a long inv- uh, time where we we're like, you know, maybe we could get them done by 48. If not, there's another thing. Maybe we could do a horror puppet one in, uh, in the next competition. But it's just one of those props that it's really cool to have around. And we were totally talking about puppets for a long time. I made one. Um, let's see, J- uh, Jolene Schultz made one. Craig Bunsen made one um aaron aaron hogan made one and chuck lines was working on one but didn't end up being in the film he had other obligations to deal with and brian how many did you make i made seven seven puppets dang that's (laughs) insane (laughs) yeah Yeah. they're they're very reminiscent of the crank yankers so that's i'm that's interesting that's wild yeah I just have like a lot of free time on my hands now like all my kids are out of the house basically and i have nothing else to do um so yeah, I don't know. Just I'm having like a like a midlife crisis, and I got into puppet making. Not a Ferrari, not a Porsche, you know. No, not hiking. Just, you know, puppets. K two or something. Puppets. <laughs> I love they it. Look, they look great. They look really good, man. And the gimp is fantastic. Just a sidebar. <laughs> well, Brian, Brian, I just want to interrupt real quick. We talk a lot about you know our favorite moments, or whatever. What you haven't said? Which puppet's your favorite? Uh, I mean, I love Hot Cop. Okay, so it's so insane. We haven't talked much about what's what's exactly happening in the film. There are six door to door salesmen having like a, uh, a learning about a new product, and they get turned into puppets. And there happens to be a police officer there. The rest of the puppets, well, 
The majority of the puppets look like normal people. The cop looks like a cop who has a gun in his hand as a puppet the entire time. Yeah. And Jill, she gets turned into like a monster puppet. Yeah. That Brian made. That's awesome. And then, of course, you mentioned the gimp, Keith, <laughs> who is my favorite. It's so uh, good. It's so, so good. Brian, yeah. like, I, you know, go over to Brian's house every once in a while to work on a puppet. And I'm in his garage and I'm about to leave. He's like, hold on. I want to show you something. <laughs> and, it, and Aaron and his daughter, Stella, come out. And they just want to see my reaction. <laughs> and it's a leather clad puppet. He's like, I've also got a ball <laughs> gag. It's like, oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. That might be my me. favorite part of the movie is like when you see him. But then you also hear him like rubbing lotion on his body. <laughs> I, I think if we were to like, you know, go A24 on this and merch it out, we could probably sell Gimp puppets. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. It, I mean, it just threw me for a loop because we're already in such a weird alternate state, uh, you know, of reality. But then this random Gimp shows up and it's like, what is exactly <laughs> is going on? But it, it killed me. I thought it was so funny uh, every time he was on the screen. <laughs> and when we were, we were trying to come up with what what's up with the gimp, you know, reveal who the gimp is or whatever. And I was I was saying is like, you know, when you watch Pulp Fiction and the gimp shows up, yeah, which to me in my youth was like the eye opening something impossible just oh happened. Totally, I've never yeah. seen anything like that when I was like, you know, sixteen. They don't explain anything to the gimp. The gimp does nothing but die. Sorry, spoiler yep. for Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but people listening to this podcast movie. definitely yeah. watched it. But uh, I was, was like. Do we, don't we? No, we don't really. No. I love that you didn't explain it. Yeah. I, I think it's way more head scratchy and, and confusing. And I think it, I don't know, kind of makes it a little bit more memorable in that way. So I don't know. Good on you. So I guess after post-screening or just with any, with any project, what do you find kind of to be the most challenging aspect of making the film? I assume time has a, a big is a big factor here to get everything done, but also what's your most, like what's the most satisfying element of participating in the festival. So like challenge and, and satisfaction. I don't know. I mean, like, obviously it's great to just hear how it's received, right? Like to know that you've done something that like people really find hilarious because sometimes I wonder like while we're in the middle of it, <laughs> I wonder like, are we the only one that's that will think this is funny or will anybody else understand what we're doing right now? You know, to that point, there's a lot of teams that make really good stuff that don't do comedy, partially because they are so concerned people aren't going to laugh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like the ones, like like uh, a couple of teams said it last year, it's like they don't ever want to pull comedy. We have never pulled comedy as the genre, but we, we everything we make is a comedy. That would be like our Achilles heel. If we actually pulled one? Yeah. We'd be like, oh, what do we do? That's when we go motorcycle. Ideas in the suddenly pop in my head. So ideas pop in my head. Bickley, yes. So I went and saw Bickley's film last night. Oh, Brian's daughters are both are both done forty eight this year. They both have. Oh, that's experience. great. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but she was the same way. Like she almost didn't go to her own screening because she was so nervous. Like, are they going to laugh? Are people going to think it's funny? Like, you know, she would have just been like devastated if they didn't laugh. Um, but yeah, it was like received really well. It was, it was super cool. You know. For me, I think the most satisfying thing beyond the people listening to it is on Sunday, we started editing it. Like I'm over at Brian's house editing it in front of him and just coming up with ideas like in the middle of it and like just having laughs of like, this is absurd. I can't wait for people to see this because mm -hmm. it when I don't know, sometimes when you're when you're into your own stuff, it's not a good thing. But I, I don't know. I get like when I know an edit is good, I get like a little <laughs> like evil cackle going. 
and that ha that's happened pretty much every film we've made for the last five years but uh the struggle this is a production thing but locations Hmm. I, mean, I think you can find talk most people into being in front of a camera, you know, to their detriment or not. But like having the stones to go up to a small business and say, can we use your small business as a location Yeah. or a corporate location? We've never asked a corporate place if we can film there because the answer is going to be no. We've gotten pretty lucky. I would say like the last four years, probably. Yeah. Or maybe five years like with our locations. Um. I know when we did Loving Balls, the the bowling alley, the yeah. bowling alley movie. Um, I had went there like a couple of weeks before the forty eight and talked to. Um, he, he had to have been like a high school. Actually, I know he was a high school kid because he went to school with Bickley, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, sure, that sounds okay, whatever." Um, it's like we lucked out in that sense that like I don't think he actually asked the owner of the bowling. Alley. <laughs> he totally got that sense when the guy was signing the document. It was just like, "What am I doing?" Um, yeah <laughs> I, like, I don't get paid enough to worry about it so okay yeah. whatever yeah <laughs> oh my gosh incredible oh man yeah you know but at the same time it's kind of fun driving around being like 48's coming up that building looks cool should i call that number oh and they never call you back but, right you know. sure yeah yeah man interesting okay yeah that make that makes sense though so i guess on that tip as well do you guys have any encouraging advice for anyone that's interested in participating in the 48 hour film project uh, for like the next round or any uh yeah just any nuggets of wisdom so i will take something from pat that i told to both of my girls and it really is i i think the the thing that has helped us and benefited us the most is that no idea is a bad idea right out the gate, you know, and I think that that really establishes a level of trust between everybody, especially if you're working with people that you haven't done anything with, um, that their ideas are valid, you know, and they can potentially blossom into really good ideas, you know, by the end of the night. Um, and I told that to both of my girls and like they both kind of operate under that. Umbrella. Stella, who, who this is her first year doing it. Her film's really good, too. Yeah, that's um, awesome she you know she kind of adopted that and she, she was really glad that she did you know because there was people that she hadn't worked with before and she'd never had her own team before so that kind of philosophy really worked worked out well if i give advice i've given different versions of advice throughout our years because there's always a q a at the screenings um and you know some of them are like you know watch other movies and kind of look at how they do it and i've talked about like jurassic park and uh, the, the Velociraptor scene in the kitchen is basically hide and seek. So I've talked with kids who've shadowed me at my job or who want to make short films. And I'm like, you know, just look at a game that you play and think if I were to draw this as a comic book or if I were to film this with a camera, how would I film it in a cool way? And it's like, if it's hide and seek, you know, a good example is Jurassic Park. Um, but you know, versions like that are just, that's kind of like my go-to at this point is that you can come up with an idea. Then another layer before that is don't wait till 48 to make a short film. I think the number one thing that helped us and sold people that weren't Brian who responded to my text message that night was that we had, we made three or four short films. And I mean, they're not great, you know, they're not lights out, but they, they were good enough that people were like, yeah, let's do it. I want to, I want to come do it. And, uh, you know, like I remember we, we shot the second thing we ever shot was this thing where we basically had no idea. We we're just running around to mine with a camera and our longtime friend, Andrew Pratt 
shows up and he thought we were just doing something dumb. I hooked the camera up to the TV to show him some of the clips we shot of Brian like running along the riverbank. And he's like, oh man, this looks like a real thing. <laughs> and you know, just that level of buy-in, you know, even if you shot with an iPhone and just shot something beforehand, you'll learn and you can show it to the people that are your friends or might want to do it. And then they'll say, oh, okay, yeah, you seem to know what you're doing. Let's go make a film. And I think that's going to help a lot more than just saying, here's the date. Are you available? Because a lot of people are going to say, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Thank I you. To, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> no, I'm busy. Yeah. And I think next year, because Stella was having some trouble, right? Finding people, right? Mm -hmm. And she can show them the film and be like, this is what we did. Right. You know? So. Very cool. cool. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. So. Um, I, yeah. I will say, Pat, when you were talking about the Jurassic Park thing, I, I don't know if I told you this last year during the Q&A when you when you made that like uh, that reference or that connection between, you know, Jurassic Park and how that's like that scene, it's within itself is its own little movie. Yeah. You could like collectively look around the room and see light bulbs going off in people's heads. Like, Oh, I understand movies. Like, <laughs> that's how that works. Yeah. You know, uh, sorry, this is a sidebar and we're probably no, near the end, but it's all you know, good, I've yeah. written long form screenplays that are impossible to pull off. Cause you know, you need money and period pieces and things like that. But the, Many films are just like, there's a section in, in part of it where you can just pull it out and make it its own short, you know? And I'm like, maybe I should go shoot that thing with the escaped convicts in the Lost Hills. That'd be an easy short film to make. But, you know, uh, I think that Jurassic Park is a great example, you know? And Chase Scenes, great example. So, no, that's that's really, that's a really cool uh, piece of advice. I I've, I've never would have put that together. So that's, that's really cool. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. So if people want to check you guys out, Tiny Explosion specifically, do you guys, are you yeah. guys on socials or you want to promote we have any a YouTube of that? Channel. Yeah, you can uh, search, easiest way to do it is search YouTube for Tiny Explosions short films, or we have a website, which will get you there, but you're probably less likely to remember it, tinyexplosions.us. And we're on Facebook, but I don't really post anything on there unless it's like during 48 and I forget too often. Um, yeah. But also Brian occasionally does um, things under uh, Barbara's day off. You haven't done one in a while, but I want, I want to I publicly haven't. shame him into doing another one. So <laughs> Brian has a YouTube channel. Look for Barbara's day off. Brian Hogan. A huge thanks to Pat and Brian for taking time out of their busy schedules to chat with me about their process. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Barbie and Oppenheimer are still around to check out at the Varsity, but in addition to that, there's some really great upcoming screenings. Park Chan-wook's Old Boy and its 20th anniversary reissue hits our screens beginning August 16th. Make sure to mark those calendars. This is a home run, slam dunk, insert sports score analogy here. Uh, it's a visually sumptuous, unnerving, tender, sweet, brutal, intense, surreal, beautiful, violent. I don't know how else to describe this one other than just to say, if you like movies, go check this one out. It, you, you won't regret it. You're going to feel so many things and probably some things you've never felt before, if I had to guess. Uh, this one's just a personal all-timer for me. The plot is about a man who is kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years without ever meeting his kidnapper, and then seemingly at random, he's released by said kidnapper to go on a journey to see if our main character can find out who his kidnapper was, and he just has to do it, you know, in five days, no big deal. So check it out. It is 
It is, it is wonderful. On August 18th, we'll be debuting Ira Sachs' new film, Passages, which stars Ben Wishaw of Q fame in the latest Daniel Craig cycle of Bond films, and Adele Exarchopoulos, I hope I said that all right, of Blue is the Warmest Color. In modern-day Paris, a gay couple experiences inner turmoil when one partner begins a passionate love affair with a young woman. You know what I was doing last night? No, but whatever it was, you sound very excited. If my party and my husband doesn't want to dance with me. I'll dance with you. Maybe we have to take more with. So now you're falling in love with someone else, you're taking that risk. Think what's happening between us. You cannot change someone like him. What they think, what they want to do. I think I'm falling in love with you. I say that to another image. I say it when I feel it. You say it when it works for you. I felt something that I hadn't felt in a very long time. This is what always happens, we just forget. An oldie but a goodie will be gracing the varsity screens very soon with 1995's Clueless by Amy Heckerling. This lovely piece of filmmaking features Alicia Silverstone as the main character Cher in this coming-of-age tale about a spoiled teen from Beverly Hills and her decision to start using her popularity and wealth for good. This one features a cameo from the Mighty Mighty Bostones and very early roles from Paul Rudd, Donald Faison, uh, or Turk if you watched Scrubs, and the late Brittany Murphy. Clueless will be showing Monday, August 21st. Thursday, August 24th will be the Best of City screening and awards ceremony for the aforementioned 48-hour film project Des Moines. This will showcase the top films from this year's entries, including Pat and Brian's Essential Essence, and will announce all of the winners for the competition. This will be hosted by Jason Garnett. Make sure to come out and support your local filmmaking teams with a night out that will no doubt be a total blast. That'll wrap it up for this month's episode. Again, one more thank you to Brian and Pat from Tiny Explosions. If you're unable to see the Essential Essence film, you'll at least be able to catch the trailer on their YouTube channel, which I do recommend. Stay tuned for another episode next month. As always, make sure to head over to varsitydesmoines.com to secure ticketing and gather screening times, membership information, our blog, and more. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll meet you in the aisles. (laughs) 